The rest of us, turn to your favorite Christmas passage in the Scriptures. That's right, 1 Corinthians 13. Just another one of our prolific passages of Scripture that connect us with Christmas. And I've already shared with you this morning that the message is love is hard. And I wish I had a different title. But I think there's great value in where the Lord is leading us today. I know that my week was different because of this message. And so I can't wait to hear about what your next week is going to be like um, in comparison to what you're going to hear from the Lord here. Let's, let's pray. Let's ask that God would effectively work in our hearts and open our minds and eyes to what we need to see. Lord, as we are encouraged and instructed by looking at Your Scripture. It's truth for our lives. Lord, I ask that Your Spirit would open up that truth to each person as needed for their circumstances, for their life. Work on behalf of Yourself and each person here. Let us understand the depth of what it means to truly love as Christ loved us. How does that fit with Christmas? Thank you, Lord, to your glory. Amen. Well, I have a starting quote for you this morning. Love is hard, but hardly weak in its abilities. But hardly weak in its abilities. Now some of you are thinking, well, I don't know exactly where you're going with this, Pastor. You know, the interesting thing is, is that when you think about how lovable you are, right, that that it shouldn't be that hard. Really shouldn't be that difficult. Now, if we're going to talk about, you know, such and such or whoever, ever, now that, okay, you got my attention, Pastor. But come on, when it comes to this, what's not lovable? I wasn't talking about myself, but you know what I mean. We're going to get into this this morning, and and if you're looking at your sermon notes, you'll notice they're a little bit different today. We're letting you do what you need to do. We're not doing fill-in-the-blank for you today. You're you're going to write down what what the Spirit leads you to write down, but I really want you to hold on to it. As a matter of fact, this may be some of the most important sermon notes you take all year long. Because we've really tried to design this sermon to be that which will lead you much like that story demonstrated love. The question for you and I to wrestle with this morning is that we know life is hard. So what do we do with that life? Well, I have a quote here that I want to run you through. You ready? How many of you have seen this picture? Oh, a few more of you than than first service. This was a demonstration that was held in Portland, Oregon. And it was a demonstration over the Ferguson... uh, Lack of indictment, indictment, whatever, grand jury decision. And so this young man went 
to the demonstration and he held a sign that said, Hugs for Free. Now here's the fascinating thing, is that our society is getting more and more splintered, isn't it? We're hearing more and more about war. We're hearing more and more about the challenges and the difficulties and the ugliness that's going on. This may not be a popular thing to say, but I would dare say that our world probably wouldn't be as fragmented. It probably wouldn't be as embittered if the media didn't exist. There are businesses that are burnt down. There are lives that are lost. There are people that have been tragically hurt. There is a narrative that is splitting this land, and most of it is propagated because a media wants your viewing ours. They don't care about us. They care about their story and getting the best story they can get, the most salacious story they can get, so that we'll tune in. Can I just challenge you? Just stop. Just stop looking at it. Stop watching it. Or, or get it off the internet at least. Where, Well, no, forget it. Forget the internet. But this photographer took a little bit different line. And that's why I want to focus on him. You see, there was a demonstration. There was, there was an area where the picture should have been taken. He saw this young man and he saw his sign and he stopped. He kind of dwelled on it. All the while where he probably should have gone elsewhere to get the picture for his publication. That would get more viewers. But something told him to stop and focus on this kid. And so he took a few pictures here and there. And he decided to wait. Rather than to go to where the news was, he decided to wait and see what would happen. And sure enough, in a few moments, he saw his reward coming. As this policeman started to approach the young man. He's thinking, oh wow, I might have stepped into a gold mine. Little did he know what he stepped into. And the policeman has said after the fact that what he did is he just walked up to the young man and just started chatting about the day. Started chatting about life, about sports, about heroes, about bikes. And he said, you know, this is the stuff that we do all day in trying to connect with our community. Most people don't know that. And he slowly the photographer could see that the young man was loosening up and getting more comfortable and more at ease. And then the moment happened where the policeman asked the boy if he could have a hug. And that's what you see in front of you. That's a beautiful picture. I don't see conflict in that picture. I don't see anger in that picture. I don't see loneliness in that picture. I see the impossible. More importantly, I see what's hard. How hard was it for this young man to show up with a sign that says, Hugs for free? But he had the courage to do so. How hard was it for that policeman to walk up to being a white man walking up to a, a black child in the middle of a demonstration, a hotbed. And yet he did it. And this picture has gone out to hundreds of thousands of people and had an impact that that photographer had no idea he was going to capture. Now that's a story. That's a worthwhile story. But just remember, as you look at that, it came at a cost. 
Love is hard. Let me run this by you. Love is simply the most powerful and effective weapon demonstrated and afforded to man. Have you ever thought about love as a weapon? It's kind of odd. It's kind of different. Now, not as a negative weapon. All right? I'm seeing some of the ladies going like this. And you're like, I'm not even going to say it, but I know what you're thinking. We're not talking about that. Let me continue in the quote. Do we have the courage to pick it up and pull the trigger in the face of adversity? Well, that's odd. Pastor, pull the trigger of love? That's odd. Why would you say that? Because I think those moments that we just saw, those are rare moments, and the reason is is because we don't have the courage to stand up and love when it's hard. Therefore, love isn't really defined by all that love is. And that's where 1 Corinthians 13 comes in. Do we have the courage to pull the trigger when it comes to loving people? God did. He pulled the trigger and sent His Son. Christ did. He pulled the trigger and died on a cross for the people who stood before Him, spitting on Him and nailing Him to such cross. Love is hard. But here's the hope in the quote. It can only be in that moment, after the fact, that we can dwell in the sheer and imminent destructive power that love wields against oppression, anger, injustice, loneliness, abuse, war, and sin. Have you ever thought of love having destructive power? You know, Pastor, you're all twisting all things up. You're getting all jinky in my head there. You know, here's the problem is that we've been taught to think in certain ways, in certain terms. And I think the stark reality of this is that love is such a powerful thing. That unlike anything else that I can do, or you can do, or mankind can do, or strategy, or brilliant thought, love has the power to do what we watched happen in that video. I mean, it really happened. One of my favorite scenes in that video is where Jim and Otto collide playing soccer. Folks, you go to a soccer match today, somebody collides. They don't get up. They don't, they're not laughing like Jim and Otto are laughing. They're rolling around, holding their ankle, acting like they're giving birth. Okay? I actually saw something. That was, it was the pinnacle. It's the worst. I actually saw a, a, a video of an NBA basketball player pull a soccer move during an NBA game, right? He's, he's in a squabble with another player on the sidelines next to a referee, and then the coach comes over to try to get it, and just before the coach gets there, the other player comes in like this, and he goes, oh, and falls down on the ground like he just got headbutted, and he never was touched. They're borrowing from soccer. But you see, when you saw Jim and Otto, they actually hit. These were enemies that were shooting at each other just prior. And what did they do? The director had a reason for putting that in there. I don't know that that's exactly what happened, but the director had a reason for putting that in there. To demonstrate the power of love. That even without the war, and we're in a normal soccer match, you collide with somebody, you're not sitting there laughing. There's something extraordinary about that. 
Love is the greatest weapon we can wield. Let's see what the Bible says about it. Let's see what Christmas says about it. Turn to 1 Corinthians 13, 4-8. That's where we're going to be today. And we're going to kind of break this passage down. Number one, according to the Christmas story. Let's see the evidences. Let's see if it really plays out the way Paul's talking about. And then two, if it does, what can we do with it? That's what we're going to do for about four or five segments. Ready? Number one. Verse 4, love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. Really... The, the, the first part of verse 8 is where we want to land. This morning as we dive in, let's start number one with love is patient, love is kind. Is that what your love looks like? Is that what the Christmas story looked like? And so I have to take kind of the freedom, the liberties that the director did with that story uh, from a hundred years ago, and I'm going through the Christmas story. So you might have found a different character that would fit this. I'm just going to go with Joseph, and since I'm standing here, you all got to go with Joseph, okay? So let's go to Joseph. Let's look at what he did. I'm just going to give you one quote out of Matthew 119. The story says, for all of mankind to read and to hear, is that he was unwilling to put her to shame. Quote, he was unwilling to put her to shame. Now Joseph in his history says this, antiquity says this, that he was a very important man. He was connected with temple service. He was a respected man. He was much more an elder over Mary. We get this picture of, of like, you know, I don't know, uh, Justin Bieber and Selena Gomez for Christmas. Who knows? That this was some young couple. Joseph was much longer in the tooth, so to say, than Mary was. So now you have your betrothed, which basically is the person you're going to be married to, and now she's pregnant, and it's not your child. We don't even have to go back to that era, that time period, to know that just even for us as men, if our wife ends up pregnant and it's not our child, it's going to be pretty hard to have that attitude not intending to put her to shame. Joseph was patient. Joseph was kind. He determined to divorce her quietly. By the way, this is all before the angel visits. Then the angel visits him and says, Look, it's not your fault. Don't sweat it. Well, I, got you. I got your back. You're covered, Joseph. You can look it up. That's exactly what Gabriel... No. God understands. First of all, He gives Joseph the power to do that. Secondly, He understands. Joseph, even though he's being patient, even though he's being kind, he's going to need some help. He's going to need some supernatural help. But just understand, Joseph practiced love when love was hard. Do you see that? He practiced it when it was hard. What was the exact quote? He was unwilling to put her to shame. Folks, in those days, it stands to reason Mary wouldn't have lasted a week based off of what had happened. 
Now my question to you is this. What horrific circumstance or person are you facing that it's going to be hard to love with patience and kindness? This is not a rhetorical question. It was so funny during first service. I could see the people who were, you know, y'all got somebody in mind right now. Okay, first service, second service, you're no different. You got a situation, you got a person, you got them in your head right now. Can I encourage you? I told you, I didn't, we're not doing fill in the blank. Write it down. And let's just forget we're not in eighth grade government. No cheat sheets. Don't look on the sheet next to you. This is private stuff. But if there is someone that you're having a problem loving with patience and kindness, I want you to remember that this is true, that love is hard. It's just like what Sally was saying. It is difficult. But yet, when Christ came and just involved in the Christmas story, we see Joseph, a righteous, godly man, who says, I am not wanting to shame her when everybody else would. That's love. If Joseph can do it, can we? If Joseph can do it, can we? Let's move on. The second one this morning is connected to Mary. Love is humble. Verses 4-5 through where it says, It doesn't seek its own. It's not rude. It's not arrogant. Flip that on its head. It's this idea of being humble. Well, how was Mary humble? Luke 1.38 speaks to this. Gabriel has shown up and he's explained to Mary what's going to happen. It seems incredulous to this young teenage girl. How can this happen? Those were exact words. By the way, she would have been thinking the same thing. I'm dead. I'm a goner. Now if you can move past that, now you've been told you are going to give birth to the Messiah. No pressure. Not only that, this is not going to be easy. This is going to be difficult. She would have known what Messiah was about to, or why Messiah was coming. How would you like to know that as you are giving birth to your child, or as you found out you will be giving birth to a child, this child was destined for death for all mankind? This is not easy. And yet, what was her response? Luke one thirty eight. she says, Behold, I am a servant. Wow. If I could teach my kids to say that when I just want the trash taken out. Behold, as a matter of fact, Janine, let's work on that. That's a good statement. Let's, we're going to write that into our, our family uh, history there. Behold, I am, I suppose I have to say it too, right? I guess I have to say it. Behold, I am a servant, says Mary. Wow. That's Humility. That's taking aside your own agenda and you're saying, whatever you want. That idea of servant is that I have a master and it's not my position to question you. I will do whatever it is that you desire. Folks, that's love. That's love. And she demonstrated her love towards her God, towards the Father, by saying, I'm a servant, acting with humility. You get it? Now my question to you this morning is simply this. With whom... Or what would it be hard to love through humility? For some of us, it may be really hard for us to enjoy our work because we've been passed over promotions. 
so you've been not so pleasant to work with for the better part of a year, two years, ten years. Who knows? Maybe it's a person. Maybe it's a family member. And they're wrong. You know what I mean? Like, they're really wrong. Like, I got a long list of wrong. But the challenge would be, if we're going to act like Mary acted, and if love is truly hard, and if it's not self-seeking, if it's not arrogant, if it's not rude, then maybe I can practice that. And say, not my rights. But I'm going to love. Nobody would have come out of their trenches if they had half a sense, right? That's their enemy. And that enemy in the trench across from me has killed my friends. And yet they came out. They came out. They shook hands. They spent time together. And that created an extraordinarily powerful moment. It was a beacon for us to shoot for. Next. Love considers others. Verse 5. Now, how, how are we getting that, Pastor? How we Love considers others. It's, it's not really what I saw there. Well, let's, let's go back. Let's read it. <clears throat> Verse 5. It's not rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. Now, I know that none of us are irritable. And far be it from any of us to be rude. It's probably another church down the road. But the real challenge is this. Are we considerate? Are we really considerate? And, and who would we look to for this? consideration out of the Christmas story. Well, again, since I'm bringing the message, I say the wise men. I say the wise men were considerate. You see, because this wasn't their God. And by the way, this is a great demonstration for those who have this question. Well, how do people hear about Christ if they never go to church? They don't have a Bible. Nobody tells them. How do they, you know, what about those lost tribes that are deep? You know, what's fascinating is that these group of men lived very far away. They didn't know anything about a Messiah. Yet God made it very apparent what was going on. So much that they decided to pack up, leave their families, whatever was going on, stop living life according to their schedules. Oh, I can't go. I've got, I've got this, I've got this, I've got this. I can't break away. i got a 12 o'clock. can't really break away today. Not only did they break away, they loaded up a bunch of stuff. They loaded up gifts. They loaded up gold. They loaded up frankincense. They loaded up myrrh. They loaded up some of the richest things that you could bring as a gift. And they sought this child who they didn't fully understand, but they were considering Him. And they were drawn to go beyond their own schedules, their own selfish needs, their own selfish desires, and they were about considering others. Let me tell you the result of that is that Herod wants to kill Christ 
And he tries to use the wise men for that. And it says, they decided to go back a different way. Well, they went a pretty direct way, we estimate. We, we can't know. It's all speculation. But what I'm seeing here is they went to a different place, what they weren't familiar with. Who knows how long it took to get to the Christ child. How many of you have ever gone on a trip in, in, okay, I have to say before GPS? Okay. Anybody here remember the Thompson Thompson Guide? Right? Or Thomas Guide? The Thomas Guide? Yes. Or your AAA maps? Yeah. Do you used to pick up at the roadside stuckies as you're traveling through the nation? So, you know, one nav- navigator's got this thing, and you can never fold those maps back up. So that, first of all, thank you, GPS, that we never have to have that battle in the car. Okay? But how many of you, once you're going someplace that you're not familiar with, you would go back a different way if you didn't even have a map? Right? These guys went back a different way. Here's another fascinating part about their consideration that Herod's trying to kill the Christ child, where do Joseph and Mary flee to? I'm going to ask, uh, I'm going to ask Mary Ann. Where do Mary and Joseph and the baby flee to? What country that you're very, very familiar with? Very good. She's going to shoot me later. Out of consideration. They flee to Egypt. Folks, I'm guessing they probably didn't have a whole lot. They had to travel from the north down to the Bethlehem region because they had to. But they obviously didn't have the wherewithal and the money and the finances because they're giving birth in a cave. So how are they going to get all the way down to Egypt? A lot of scholars believe that they were able to do that trip because of what the wise men gave. Love is hard. Love is hard. And you know what? A lot of times people don't, they don't deserve my consideration. A lot of times I need to just stick up for myself and make sure I get what's coming to me. Right? A lot of times I need to make sure that, that uh, I'm watching out for number one. And those individuals, they need to take care of themselves. And by the way, they have not treated me well anyway. So I'm not really going to... Or am I going to give the chocolate that just came from my girlfriend to my enemy? Which is more powerful? And here's something I want you to dwell on. We talk about love being hard, but we talk about it being the single greatest weapon that we can wield. And the question is, will we pull the trigger? There was something that happened in that video that I thought was very telling. You know, I already talked about how Jim and Otto collided and they're laughing and there's joy. And guys are like doing shaves for each other, playing cards. I mean, it's great, right? And then the bombs start again. You remember seeing their faces as they had to head back to the trenches. I believe that's how we walk around without love. We have life stolen from us. I want, I want that image of Otto's face just to etch in your mind. Because this is what's at stake. Remember the joy and the compassion. And the only reason that the joy happened was because they were considering the other person. Now they have to go back and you see that etch on their face. And, and what happened? Jim gave the jacket full well knowing that the chocolate was still there. 
And what's the last picture you see? In the face of despair, in the face of loneliness, in the face of war, the hard decision was to give that jacket with the chocolate in it in the middle of winter to his enemy who would be shooting at him moments later. And yet he did so because he was considering someone else, not thinking of himself. Was he justified to think of himself? If someone's shooting at me, I'm justified, I would think, to think of myself. And yet what a beautiful message. And the very last thing that we're left to look at is simply this. Pulls it out, looks at it, and a smile crescendos across his face. And I almost hear his his thoughts. It was real. It was real. It did happen. Love is the single most powerful weapon we can wield. But love is hard. And it wasn't easy for the wise men, but because they were considering Christ first, great things happened. Love celebrates what is right. Love celebrates, well, Pastor, how do you, you guys keep asking me tough questions? This is getting harder all the time. Let me show you how I got this. You continue on. Uh, let's see. It does not, verse 6, it does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. Love celebrates what is good and right. So I'm thinking through the Christmas story, who magnifies this? The shepherds. The shepherds magnify this. In Matthew, Matthew chapter 2, you see this quote. At the end of the time that the shepherds had been in their fields, they're kind of kicking back, they're freezing to death, they're wishing they had a, a, a mocha frap latte, double no foe, whatever. And they don't have that. They're sitting out there with stinky sheep and it's cold. And all of a sudden there's a glow coming over the horizon. And now there's angels and now there's great singing. And it's incredible. And I could imagine they're like nudging each other or something. You know, did this really happen? And they leave. They leave the sheep. We talked about that. They get fired by most companies. They left their sheep and they were drawn to the Christ child. They go and they experience the Christ child. They experience Mary. They share all those things. And it says that Mary treasured those things in her heart. And then all those that were there gathered and they wondered about this. End of story, right? Nope. Not the end of the story. You see, the shepherds chose to focus on what was right. A bunch of angels show up. They said, there's a child that's being born in Bethlehem. You need to go see him. Yada, yada, yada. That's exactly what angels say, yada, yada, yada. If I speak with the tongues of angels, there you go. They had a choice. Do they want to go and focus on what is right? Or do they want to just continue on with what they're doing? They chose to go focus on what was right. And what was the result of that? It was celebration. It was rejoicing. And it says this, It says, and the shepherds returned, after all of that happened, the shepherds returned to where they were, glorifying and praising God. They returned, glorifying and praising God. Love celebrates what is good and right. Many of us are faced with the challenges of making the hard decisions to focus on what is good and what is right. And often that doesn't seem like that which is going to satisfy me, right? It seems like that which is going to restrict me and and I'm not going to enjoy what... But here's the challenge is that oftentimes, folks, we're living with guilt and we're living with consequences 
from choices that we made to go do wrongdoing. It seemed like the right choice at the time, but it came with a bunch of consequences. Love makes the hard choice. And when love makes the hard choice, guess what the result is? Celebration. It's celebration. It's rejoicing. Love makes the hard choice. Who or what would it be hard to love through rejoicing? Think through it. Do we celebrate what is good and right with love? The last one gets its own page because it's so incredible. Love is limitless, verse 7 through 8. And we're going to go there. I encourage you, if you don't have your Bible open, go back there and look at this. I'm going to read it to you. It says, love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. Wow, those are pretty big statements. Those are huge statements. You know, here's here's the fascinating thing. Love bears all things. Have you ever found that one person that's unbearable? That's that person that when they call your house, you let it go to what? I I wouldn't know anything about that. It's that person that you don't want to sit next to in your classes. It's that person you hope doesn't get invited to lunch for your business hour. It's that person you hope isn't coming for Christmas, but you know you should ask. Apparently, Trey is thinking of somebody. We hope it's not Fernando. I can say that. He's not here. Okay, this is not going to be posted. Um... Love is limitless. It bears all things. Well, okay, pastor, I get it. Uh, But you don't know. And I've been bearing with them for a really long time. Folks, God bears with us. Christ chose to come as that child. And He took and He decided to bear. He bore our sins on the cross. And in that very moment of his pain and subjugation, that he says was a joy for him, the very ones he's dying for were mocking him and cursing him. And what was his response? This is my kind of Messiah. You ready? Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Can I tell you that that statement has helped me so much with that person that I can no longer bear with? Because suddenly it opens my eyes to love them. Why? Do you know that most people who you're having a hard time with, or or don't think about anybody in specific. We're not trying to pick on people. Just go to like a story or a movie, okay? That person that you're having a problem bearing with, do you know that there's probably something that's been happening to them? You guys notice the carpet, right? Up here. Came out great. Fantastic. Please... Keep your coffee on that side of the carpet. That carpet we can replace. This one we can't. It is holy carpet. Thou shalt not. No. It's just carpet, man. The bottom of my foot can be on it. So can you. The gentleman 
I, I had a great time. I, I've already shared with you that this week, my connection with this message has been just powerful. The man who installed this carpet, his name is John. He has no business being a carpet installer. No, he did a good job. No, no, no. Let me, let me explain that. <laughs> let me get the rest of this story. That sounded horrible. Sorry, John, if you ever see this. John is like 60 years old. He, he reminds me of Morgan Freeman. He's got the gray hair up here already. You know that carpet laying is like the hardest work you'll ever do physically? He's been a carpet layer for 30 years. And so I sat in here and we started talking. And he started sharing right away that it's been a long time since he's been in church. I said, oh, all right. He says, yeah, my daddy was a pastor. I said, oh. And then I heard all about daddy. They had two refrigerators in the house. One of the times John got beat was because he took bread out of the refrigerator because he had 12 other brothers and sisters. He took bread out of the fridge to eat something without asking. His dad had his own refrigerator with a chain around it and a padlock in his room where he kept his food. He would make the kids do music and perform when he would go and preach around the area. And he would collect the money and not do anything for his kids. But then he would brag, and this was in the 1950s, he would brag to his son, Son, John, you know how expensive this suit is? This is a $400 suit, John. Gets better. Now, you know, I'm just listening to what John's telling me. I don't know how much of it's true, how much of it isn't, but I can't imagine somebody making this up. And all the while, we kind of go in between, and I'm like, oh, Lord, what do I say to this guy about who you are? Because he's grown up with somebody that just distorted everything. And I told him, I said, you know, my son, he, he learns to drive and he wrecks the car the, the first year. That doesn't mean he's not, it's the car's fault. And, and John said, yeah, well, he would never drive my car ever again. And I'm like, oh, missed the point. That illustration didn't work. I just kept praying, Lord, what do I say? And then John shares that his dad used to be a chaplain at San Quentin. He says, yeah, my daddy took me into the gas chamber there when I was 10 years old. And he said, sit in that chair and don't move. And every time that he was saying something along these lines or interacting with his son, our carpet layer, he would always say something like, I got too many children. So he said, sit in that chair and don't move or I'll beat you. Shuts the door, seals the door. He had had the guards put water in the bucket. He took two Alka-Seltzer tablets and dropped them in there. John says the only time he's ever screamed, Dad, 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 you can beat me, but please don't kill me. So he was walking across the Golden Gate Bridge with his dad one time. His dad took his arm right after he said, I got too many children. Tossed him over the Golden Gate Bridge and was just hanging on to him like this. Now, what do you say to John? You say, where's your dad? Because i got a few words. <laughs> no, you, know. you simply say that love has no limitations. And love can bear all things. And love can believe all things, John. 
and love can endure. But your dad had no clue about that. Your dad had no clue about that. Christ said this in John 15. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. John's not at the point of wanting to do anything while his father's deceased, but he he would have seen that love would be hard to reach out and extend that to his dad. But he wasn't ready to give up on Christ. You see, John knows what it means when we say love is hard. Love is hard. Those kind of things mess you up for life. They change you from the inside out. And just because I told that story of John doesn't mean that we don't have those stories in this room. Can I just tell you? Well, let me, let me finish up with this. You've got to look at Jesus' example. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. That is what I told John. I said, do not, do not substitute the image of Christ and who Christ is and the reality of that for what you saw out of your Father because it has nothing to do with that. It has nothing to do with that, John. Look to Jesus' example. And Jesus said, in the midst of being crucified, Father, forgive them, they know not what they do. What will you do? This Christmas, I encourage you, whatever that circumstance is, or whoever that person is, or those people are, that you find hard to love, Understand this, that if you're courageous enough to pull that trigger, if you're courageous enough to follow in the actions of Christ, then look at this love chapter and practice that because that's difficult, that's hard, that's challenging, but the results kill off those things that are killing us. Do you hear me on that? The results will kill off those things that are killing us. Love is hard, but hardly weak in its abilities. If this can happen, anything can happen because of the love of Christ. Amen? This, I found another picture that was strangely familiar. But love is hard. Love is hard. And what do I mean by this? Sometimes we let those things change us that are bad, that are horrible, that are despicable. And they turn us into a person that doesn't think that we can ask to be loved. And yet the message of Christ is, my love is what? Limitless. That's the message of Christ. Love is hard, but through Christ, it's limitless. Let me close in prayer this morning. And I pray that you're encouraged. I don't think you're probably feeling good. It's not a feel-good message. But I hope and pray that you're feeling responsive. 
to make some changes. The question that I want to pose, uh, propose to you right now is simply this. Do you want to be the guys that are smiling out on the field because you had the courage to pull the trigger of love? Or do you want to be the ones that are defined by the mortar blasts that go off their separate ways with sad looks on their faces? Because that's how most of our society is. But if we practice love, even when it's hard, if we practice love, it can be different. Christ brought that message. And as I pray for you this morning, whatever you wrote down, whatever the issue is, whatever the person or challenge, and maybe it's you, maybe it's others, I don't know. That's for you. That's between you and God. I'm going to ask if, if you feel so moved, I'm going to give you a chance to respond before God. I'm not, I'm not looking, and you're not going to be looking. This is just between you and God. But if you've been moved, then God's moved you. I'm not that good. I can't move people. If you've been moved this morning in your heart to do something different and to practice hard love, then just confess that to God during this prayer time. Make that apparent to Him. Let me pray. Father, today is a day for rejoicing. It is a day to remember that we can love as You demonstrated love. It is a day for us to know that as weak and as... Um, undeserving as we are to receive your love that even though love was hard you said forgive them they know not what they do and that same message goes to John to understanding his dad it's like John he doesn't understand what he's doing he doesn't have a clue that he's hurting you because he's so defined and messed up And he who should be a purveyor of the message of love probably didn't understand love himself. Father, I pray for those here this morning, in this moment, in this time. Whatever it is that's in their mind, whatever your spirit has brought to their mind right now, if they want to make a covenant with you saying that they want to choose through your power, through your example, through your son's example, through the Christmas story example, to achieve the impossible, to practice love even when it's hard, and practice it in a specific scenario or situation that you brought to their mind, then Lord, let them raise their hands before you now. I'm not looking, nobody else is looking, but this is between you and them. That they would go on record, that they would say that this is something they need to do. They need to move in this direction rather than be defined by Loneliness, hurt, anger, depression, war, sin. That they want to be defined by love and rejoicing. Thank You, Lord. Let us demonstrate love this week, even when it's hard. Give us the strength to remember these things and the example and to draw upon You. In Your name we pray. Amen.